0: terroir. I'm Simon Jacob, your host for this episode from Jerusalem. I reached out to my audience about whether it was proper or too insensitive to publish new episodes of the kosher terroir while our soldiers battle on the southern and northern border and we have our hostages held in captivity by Hamas. I actually held off for the last week but having received countless requests to continue, I am again publishing this, the latest Kosher Terroir episode. That said, I ask that each of you please pray for our soldiers' safe and speedy return home and the rapid recovery of our hostages to their families. Today's episode of the Kosher Terroir is a conversation with an exceptionally talented winemaker, Louis Pasco. Lewis's career started early in life, moving from New Jersey to California and working his way up to chef in some of the most renowned restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area. His food journey led to his interaction with and his love of wine and a master's degree in viticulture and enology from UC Davis. Lewis has acquired an incredible depth of experience across wineries in California, from Napa through Sonoma, and has built credentials throughout the Israeli wine industry. Louis is now busy working with Ellie Shore of Cormim Winery, building its new high-end Shore Estate brand. Please join me in this personally guided tour through winemaker Pasco's storied life, If you're in the midst of a commute, enjoy. If you're home, grab a glass of your favorite kosher wine, sit back, and relax. Louis, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the Kosher Terroir. It's really a pleasure, and um, I'm really looking forward. Uh, You've got a, a bunch of bottles for us to taste, and I'm looking
1: forward to tasting them. Uh, first of all, it's my pleasure, Simon. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you called me. I was no. a little surprised by your initial introduction saying you thought maybe it was intimidating to call me. Uh, that's a little bit of a surprise, uh, but uh, because you know people who I know. Yep. And a number of those people say that, yeah, a number, one of those people say that I was the reason they got involved in wine. That it was yeah. actually visiting the Reconati winery when I was the head winemaker. And the half a day I spent with him, a, a long time. It was a, like a full half a day yeah. because of his level of interest yeah. actually got him into the into wine, wine industry. Or was his motivation. Or, or the, maybe the maybe the last step. That I that I don't know. But he did give me that credit once. So that's Amichai. Amichai. That's Amichai. 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 He, told me, he told me straight up that the day he spent with me got him so enthused about being a winemaker is that that became his dream. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Tell me a little bit about these wines that we're going to be tasting.
1: Okay. So the wines we're going to taste today are made in three different wineries. So there's a whole history lesson here. Wow. About me working through different places since I never built my own place. And the, the first wine was made with betel. Okay. And they're the ones who really I won't say that they convinced me, but they're the ones who put an offer in front of me that was too good to turn down. Uh, I had left Israel after Reconati for some time and I wanted I wanted my kids to grow up perfectly bilingual, so it took them right at the age where they were entering grade school okay. to the US. And uh, I, uh after a yeah. few years there, that, that was basically that was like 2009 two thousand nine to, th- yeah. to two thousand twelve. Yeah. So, or two thousand eight, two thousand nine till, till for for me till two thousand twelve because I came back right. at, at the at the invitation of Berel, I came back to work the, the harvest of two thousand twelve, wow. which was an unbelievable harvest. So Hashem very much favored me on my return to Israel.
0: 2012 of, of coming, was a great year.
1: Oh, fab, Fabulous year. Yeah, Absolutely fabulous year. And, but the offer that El made to me at that time was, that we, we're too small. We don't have the money to pay you. They, they had an idea of where my status was, or my, my salary at Reconati. Uh, but they said, you can live with us. You know, Rent rent free. You can come here. They knew I was in California. They, yeah. They'd come and I consulted to them. They brought me wines in California and I consulted to them a little bit before then. But they said, we really need you to come and sit in the harvest with us. So we've got room in our house. You know, the kids have grown up. <laughs> they have a pretty good-sized house in Bedell. The winery's a walk from the house.
0: Right.
1: If you know uh, the Mons, they're really nice people. I've known them for years, and they're, they're very nice. Uh, Hill is very intelligent. Uh, so is Nina. They're different ways. You know, Nina's, Nina's more the publicist in marketing, and, and Hill is a more introspective, thoughtful farmer slash winemaker. Blah blah blah. They invited me back. Said live with us, and we'll make wine. And you're, you know, you have to pay for your own grapes. We're not paying for grapes or barrels or right. any of that. But otherwise, you know, you know, we split the cost of the I mean Basically, the the production was free up to the cost of 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 the materials cost and the bottling cost because they had a bottling line. Right. Oh my! Anyway, it was an offer I couldn't turn down. Right. Plus, living in the in the. I had worked enough in the West Bank by that point to have a lot of faith in the soils and the terroir of, up in the West Bank. Yep. And I wasn't particularly afraid of it. You know, some people are very hesitant to go up to the West Bank. Yeah, but, I, I didn't have that issue because, you know, why, why? Faith in God? You know, a lot of people travel with a, with a gun in the West right, Bank. Yeah. I don't, I never did. You know, I just felt that my heart was pure. I hate yep. Palestinians, want them dead. I did want to take over the West Bank. I, as far as I was concerned, you know what? If I could hook up with Palestinians, have them grow grapes for me, okay, it would probably be Christians or Muslims who weren't religious. Have them grow grapes for me? I like the way they grow grapes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's just, That's, you know, obviously I was in a Jewish community. I was in right. Bethel and so forth. But but I wanted to, to make wine there because I knew of the vinegar. And this is really pre this explosion of vineyards in Shiro. Yeah. This was just the beginning. You're talking yeah. about 2012, you know. Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't too good of an offer to turn down. So I said, you know what? What the hell? I'll start my own label. I, I still had a reputation from Reconati, even though it had been eight years since I'd been in the in the wine. No, eight years. No, four years, five years yeah. since I'd been involved in the Israeli wine industry. Right. It had been that time. Uh, so... That's where I started, and that's where this wine was made. The 2014 Pasco Project.
0: So, this is the regular Pasco Project? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the 2014, which is, I think, the one that I have. I think I have a a 2014 Pasco Project.
1: Now, I haven't opened this recently, and I'll tell you, the bottles have not been well stored. This is not coming out of a... Special storage situation. Okay. Actually, they've been in my apartment for years. Now they're up here in my crash pad because I want them here for, uh, basically, they're strictly uh, promotional wines, right? I don't have enough to sell. So it's not like it's had uh, really good. Oh, it's faded. It's old, but very nice tertiary, very nice uh, tertiary characteristics.
0: It's actually lovely. And it's yeah, got
1: it, it's it's old, yeah, it's but old, it's a but it, very good old. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's
0: it's it's got um, almost like a uh, it's kind of a porty old, but not in a bad way, in a very very good way. It's got a beautiful long finish.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I I've always think that one of the hallmarks of my style in Israel and. When I came to Israel, I really had an idea about style because of where I'd worked in Napa, uh, non kosher wineries, where, yeah. where I'd worked and, and gotten my education, and also because of my background as a chef. Mm-hmm. This is something that I, I don't talk about a lot, but if you, if you follow my Facebook page, you'll see I, recipes every now and then, and you'll see some beautiful food pictures, you know. And uh, I was a very, very good chef at a very early age. It's actually, I got bored with it. That's why I, I went to winemaking.
0: What's interesting to me, Is at the very beginning, when you were a chef, um, actually right after Columbia, but before UC Davis, UC Berkeley and UC Davis, um, you were in this restaurant. And what intrigued me about it was that you mentioned that what started the whole style of that restaurant um, was the Penna Integrale that you used to make every day. And the smell used to permeate the restaurant, and that would make people hungry and like the restaurant to come into. And I'm sitting there going, wow. You've done done a lot of homework. No, no. I I, I saw that and I said, whoa, this guy's playing with yeast from the beginning. I mean, this
1: is a... It was was the first time I was chef of a startup restaurant. Right, right. right. I had been pulled from... And it was actually a lower level restaurant than where I'd been. I'd I'd been at a hot cuisine place. And this was a more a trattoria, you would call it in Italian. Yep. But the the owner was a was a radio personality, so radio personality meaning he did food and wine review, uh, food reviews. He okay. did restaurant restaurant reviews on the on the radio. Yeah, I think had a once a week show on KGO in uh, in San Francisco. First, mm-hmm. That's a major station, you know. Yep. So he had a fair listenership, uh, and he he expressed to me you know, when I interviewed with him that he wanted a a friendly place. He didn't want a hoity-toity place. He wanted right. a friendly place. And the uh, and various ideas he had, and, and probably one of the things that got me hired, I mean, I know, I know there were two or three things that got me hired. And one of the things was he came to my house and had a meal that I made for him at my house. And the minestrone that I made, you know, blew him off off the doors. <laughs> you know, why? Why? Because, uh, you know, I started with a homemade chicken stock and it was everything was from the ground up. It was minestrone made like a top French a chef to- is going to make right. minestrone, Not like maybe the typical Italian mama is going to make it. Right. Not that, not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> the, you know. Anyway, uh, as we sat and talked about the restaurant and, and I said, you know, the kind of restaurant you want, you, you need to make your own bread. It's not that big a deal. You get it in the, I mean, I'd probably already seen the facility by then. Yeah. He really showed me, showed me what he had because we was taking over the lease of an existing place. Uh, Changed some of the equipment according to my specs, but uh, he he, I said, if you if it's a small place, very small, and the kitchen's in the middle, Mm -hmm. there's some tables up in the front and some behind, but the kitchen's right in the middle. So even you've got these, you know, typical restaurant fume hoods. Yep. The smell of what you're doing in the kitchen is, is all over the restaurant. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, but that's what you want. So, yes. Yeah. I, I, with baking, you definitely it, want.
1: Half whole wheat, <laughs> a really good, you know, San Francisco area, whole wheat. Uh, right. Stone ground. I don't know if you, you lived in California, but L.A., south. I lived in the south. So in the south. You, you might have seen this. I forget. I'm not remembering. Not but it was, it was clearly whole wheat flour that was ground. stone ground. Stone ground. Yeah. You know, it yeah. wasn't fine, yeah. this and that. They probably never could have passed kosher restrictions because they have to pass through a very fine uh, fine sieve for for kosher flour. But uh, it, it was a very earthy whole wheat, and you do regular flat white. A bit di grano is one of the most common breads in it, in Italy. Yep. you know, and we made it in the very basic way. Rounds, and then they rise up, and putting it out hot on the table yep. for the it, it. We had a not too many restaurants open up at 5 p.m. and and get a full seating. It was it was one of my proposals to him okay. as a way as a way to bring business into the restaurant. And at that time, again, you know, you're talking about then it was 1980 1982. 82. Starting, 85, yeah, 80, yeah. 82. So 82 very few people were making their own bread in yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. Basically everybody gives you sourdough. Yeah. Sourdough baguettes—you yeah. know—they're not expensive. You got three or four different proprietors. You can, you can have real sourdough, or you can have Italian style—you know, not so sour, yeah. uh, but 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 not sweet bread. But but you know, crusty loaves, whatever. The, every restaurant I'd worked in until then was buying from somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, a small place like this, you make your own.
0: It's. It's a big deal because it really—I'm telling you—that smell is what kicks people's stomachs and also kicks their heads into gear properly Uh, you know when you're selling a house the best thing you can do is before you show it cook chocolate chip cookies and you know like and people walk in the house and they go oh this is a great house (laughs)
1: yeah that's an old rule of thumb
0: yes so having having something that smells but also tastes good is awesome and it's not that expensive to do it's just, it's just, it's expensive as far as some time is concerned. There's time. Yeah. There's, there's, time, time, there's time
1: involved. Time but that's not something you put one of your chefs to. You should yeah. have a support guy in the kitchen yeah. that can crank out the, yeah. that can crank out that, the, yeah. you know.
0: It's cool. No, so that, that intrigued me about the beginning of, you know, like, they're already working with yeast. And I was wondering whether that kicked you into getting into... Uh,
1: the winemaking okay. started before then.
0: Okay. Okay. okay, I
1: was at 464 Magnolia, All right. which was a very high end, very imaginative, very creative, very special restaurant in Marin County. Mm-hmm. And at the time that want a little more of this, or you want to try the next one?
0: I'll, we'll try the next one. Okay. But uh, this is, uh, yeah, this yeah, is it's, coming it's, out. This it's, is actually it's, opening. It's up old, and it's but nice. beautiful. Yeah, it's, no, it's nice. It you know for being old it doesn't have very much funk, it's just lovely. And Well, you becoming... shouldn't
1: find funk in any of my wines. I okay. Mean, okay. I'm UCD.
0: Okay. You know where
1: there's there's a there's a basic line that we have at UCD a starting it's the starting point.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that your wines are clean, okay? And now the best wines I've made are not perfectly clean. Right. But you learn to make clean wine. And then you step back in small steps to where you make basically clean wine, but wines that have incredibly interesting traits. And, and, and I, don't, I, I think some people go in the other direction. I'm not going to mention names because I have a lot of opinions that I don't, are, think, you know, don't, I don't say think. anything negative about anybody. Right. But there's a lot of wineries that started in Israel making trash they the beginning of their wines. And I'm, I'm not talking about so much of the bigger places. They're going to start at some professional level. But some of these boutique guys, I mean, amazed they stayed in business after three years. But then they got better. So, you know. Uh. They learned. But yeah, but nice. what, 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 what I get out of, out of this 14 ahead, Pasco me. project now is just, it's just a fully mature, you know. Uh, I means to me, and it's, look, first of all, the name, and this is my first BDX. The first one was Pasco Project number one and Pasco Project number two. Yeah. And then I said, you know, every every year I got to resubmit the label and pay for approval in because I sell a lot of wine in the States. So I, that's I said, BDX, that's nuts. I was going to ask you, what's the BDX?
0: Bordeaux. Okay, I love it. It's,
1: it's, love it. it's a, a, a hint that we're making a Bordeaux style. And if you look at the grapes, it's mostly Bordelais grapes. I mean, right. the vast majority. I don't think I've ever put more than ten percent of some grape that's not Bordeaux into right. it. So that means Cab Sauv, Merlot as the two big partners, Petit Verdot as a possibility, Cab Franc as a possibility, yeah. and then Petit Sirah uh, on years that I that I have that available. Blah blah blah. That's what BDX is. It stands okay. for something you know in the Bordeaux. style of Bordeaux.
0: Okay. I don't know why I didn't get that before but it was it's cool it's it, it's let
1: me ask you something it makes sense do you understand the label design
0: like a what like a, what you call it an easel yes yes
1: hey, a lot of people don't get it
0: really i, I always it surprises it cool. me too i but always thought it was cool
1: i i you know it, it,
0: putting it i've out had there. people
1: tell me what is this a table a rocket ship And i'm no. like no, no, no it's, no, an, it's easel. an easel because i'm hoity enough to think i'm an artist you know well, it's, it's
0: an artist putting it out there that's you know
1: whatever. Right? Not everybody gets it. Believe me, it's not maybe only, 50, not only. Not only is
0: it an artist putting it out there; it's an artist putting it out there with his name on it, which is like you know, okay, you've well, got you to have a certain, sign your
1: canz- canvas, I, right? Yeah,
0: but a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of it's people the, don't. It's
1: chutzpah when it's this big. Um, I don't think you know what
0: chutzpah is. Interesting. Uh, it's an interesting and and very often a very positive character trait. Eli Ben with his grand vin. <laughs> <laughs> that was an act of absolute chutzpah. But he, he did it.
1: But he Ellie, Ellie very much aimed for a French style.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah.
1: doing something, you know, Chateau, de Grand Vin, blah, 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 it, it fits if you think you're making Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And he is making Bordeaux.
0: 100%. But the term <laughs> Grand Vin is always... Alec, you know, is always associated with only the absolute best. And to start making wine and call it Grand Vin is like uh, it's you've got to have a certain amount of chutzpah to do it. But actually, he pulled it off.
1: No, it's the best. Uh, more than pulled it off. He's really great. I mean, I he's, really like Eli, Eli, Eli's been an industry reader since day right, one. Right. And in, 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 in his own style. Yeah. 100%. He, didn't, he didn't do what Ramada Goan did. I mean, Madagalan was, in terms of really good wines, and I don't mean to give a poop on anybody that was around before that. But in terms of, okay, I come from the international community of non-kosher. Yes. So my whole standard from the beginning is in a different place than the kosher consumer right. until at least very recently. Okay, nowadays the kosher consumer is very sophisticated. Right. Or the, the higher end of the kosher consumer mm-hmm. is very con- very sophisticated, and has kosher wines from top chateaus and this yeah. and that. You know, it's it's a very different world than even when I started in the kosher industry. Blah, blah, blah. No, uh, 100 no, Okay, off on the topic of uh, chutzpah. You like the label?
0: I like it, a lot. I liked it from the very beginning.
1: Uh, I designed it myself, pretty much. I liked it from the very beginning. Next one. Yes. I'll just con- continue with you. you glass.
0: That's, yeah, now we're in the 16.
1: Address. It just happens, A, we're skipping the Shemitah here. Yep. And B, it happens that 15, I had a lot of demand for. It, it, I don't know, it aged well or something, and I don't have any. I just simply don't have any. And because of the, the Shemitah business, I said, well, what am I going to keep this around for? Somebody wants to buy it, I'm selling it. Right. So I have zero bottles of 15. So Not too long ago, some guy in a lot who has two stores, one in Ranana, one in a lot, he asked me if I have the 15 exactly. And at that time, I think I still had a few bottles. So I told him, you know, yeah, I got some. It's like, I have one case. He goes, oh, okay, one case, what do you want for it? And I gave him a price. He's like, oh, no, that's too much. And I go, do you expect me to next, sell it for... Next, Yeah, next, <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> you, you're, <asking laughs> you're asking me for the last six bottles in the world besides somebody's seller. Yep. And And now you want it at the price that it sold no, for no. when I released it?
0: Thanks. Those sort of people I just look at and go, thanks very much, no problem.
1: Okay. Anyway. So, okay. the other, just the last thing about the yeah. 14, you liked it a lot, it's a really beautiful wine, blah, 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 the long finish, which is, you yeah. expect to gain as you, as you age. Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it give you enough of a Bordeaux? Does it merit it to be the X term? Did, did you think it did? Or just do this one now and focus on that?
0: That's an interesting question. That is really really an interesting question to me. I would have to say yes. It's I don't I don't know why I'm getting like kind of kind of a, almost a Spanish vibe out of it and I don't know why because it's not it doesn't have syrah in it or anything like that.
1: You're talking but, now about the 16. Or no, I'm talking about still the, about the 14. 14. I'm yeah. talking about
0: the 14. I didn't taste the 16 yet, but it's um, it's 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 really really lovely. It doesn't, you know, it's clean from. I'm I'm expecting for wine that's that old. I'm expecting kind of the floor, I'm sorry, forest floor funk to it. That's typically Bordeaux. And it doesn't have that. It's not funky. It's got, it's clean, and it's lovely, and it's mature. So that's the only thing that pushes me away from it being some sort of a French Bordeaux.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, is now, that cool? Now, it's, first of all, but, very cool.
0: Okay, but tell, cool. you tell me. And,
1: well, as far as the funk is concerned, yeah. uh, the best wines of Bordeaux don't have funk. Okay. 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 You, feet Rothschild non-kosher doesn't have funk okay right. it, it, it it just doesn't okay. they, they, they actually make very, very clean wines at okay. the top in my experience, which is a lot <laughs> I've tasted a yeah, lot yeah. of Bordeaux at the top where yeah. they're not funky okay.
0: they're fun-
1: they, they do come in funky at the lower levels I've only tasted
0: kosher wines
1: yeah no so and I, I, I'm not sure
0: as an example, Pontenet, which is probably one of my favorite wines, the
1: 3 Cane, is um. Porte Canet is a nice solid Bordeaux, but yes. that's it it's a nice solid Bordeaux. Right. It's not top shelf. Okay. I mean, there's it's it's. I'm pretty sure I don't have this as memorized as much as I used to. I used to know all of them, but I'm pretty sure it's Grand Cru Classé Bordeaux, mm-hmm. but it's fifth growth. And by the way, Grand Cru Classé is just That's high level already because they're a, they're are a crew Bourgeois, which are terrific. <laughs> right. You know, you right. have to, if, if they know your chateau, right. it's it's usually up to the producer more. And who might be working with that producer? And I, I, I don't know who consults the Ponté Cane. They, Bordeaux is different from America because they don't have winemakers. Yeah. They have cellar masters, and then the enologue is often a consultant. So the right. real expert who's going to direct things is outside the winery. He's not sitting in the winery. Typically, at least in history. You know what? Maybe it's changed. No. Okay. So the sixteen. Obviously, it's younger. There's there's more fruit here up front. Any funk there?
0: No. No. Not I'm not even getting the funk. I'm not getting any funk in here. Well, I don't think I'm getting any funk in this. I don't feel it. Um, there's tannins.
1: Yeah, it's it's clearly younger. There's yes. m- there's more tannin. Yeah, but
0: it's only a 2016. But it's yes, it is. Um,
1: See, now, I, I, I don't want to argue with you, and I don't want to mm. seem as if I'm showing off no, my sensitivity. please, please. To me, there's funk here. Okay. It's very, very subtle, but it's clearly different from the 14th. Yeah.
0: There,
1: there is a tint of earthiness. I could tell you the, the chemical, you know. There's a bit of H2S here. Okay. There's a teeny bit of hydrogen sulfide. Now, it's very low level. It's barely perceptible.
0: I can... I can- but when you tell me? Yeah. And I taste for it? Uh, uh, I can, uh, I can, of I can.
1: course it's different. The, the difference between again a Davis-trained winemaker, and probably most winemakers, but I have to say a Davis-trained winemaker is when we taste. The first thing we do is look at the flaws as, as a winemaker. Now as a That's consumer, you look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. As 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 a as a winemaker, you look at the breakdown first, and only after you do all the breakdown. Because it's the Davis, you know, the Davis scorecard, right? What is a Davis scorecard? You know, color, uh, acidity, uh, smell, you know, I actually, I have my own scorecard because I think they're a little bit too much on the technical details and they they don't give enough points out of a 20 point score. They don't give enough to overall impression. And then for me, they don't give enough to aroma because I'm very aroma driven. And that's a difference between me and everybody else it's It's my mom she she gave me a, an exceptional sense of smell so this now is, it's it's so faint, basically I, in 20 I, seconds I, of air it's just about gone. yeah this is, but it was but for, for me, there was right away this ah well tiny bit of reduction mm-hmm. and it's still there it's still there
0: I, I, this is lovely this
1: is really there's nothing wrong with this wine at all, even and, yeah. and to me. Well, we're talking about it's 2 years younger it's fruitier, there's a bit of earth there's a tr- there's a I think there's a tremendous consistency between this between and the, the 2014 two. I was going to
0: tell you that from the okay. very beginning Okay uh, good I'm, I did, sorry, I I, I'm sorry
1: I put those words the Relax. idea in your head no no whatever. you didn't no I didn't put it. you when said when I tasted it
0: when I tasted this I said wow this is definitely a sister wine these are siblings it's just this is just newer
1: Yeah, basically, it's, it it's, it's, it's 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 a very very similar wine. And Sim-
0: a- the similar blend. Okay,
1: yeah, they are. Okay, ah, I'd have to go back to, to book notes. They, okay. they say the same thing. Okay, they say the exact same blend. That's certainly not true. That right. that's a matter of label approval. Right. That right. you don't you don't want to go you know say oh well you know I've got five percent more Cabernet Sauvignon in here now or five percent less or whatever and redo the label. It's just, it, there's, no, no, a, I... there's a cost to it. So if you're close, and since it's not a varietally labeled wine, right. you really no requirement to do that. You know, the, the legal requirement is, actually the back label is the legal yeah. label, is, is, is a dry red wine. Somewhere it should say dry red wine or something like that. Ah, Israeli dry red wine. Okay. No? Judean Hills. So it's it's. Uh, so this
0: is made in which winery? The the twenty the
1: sixteen 20? is then made in uh, Beno.
0: Okay, Beno. Wow.
1: Yeah, I began a fifteen at Beno, partly because Beto wasn't going to make Shemitah wine. Wines, right? And I didn't want to not make Shemitah wines because the guy I was buying grapes from was a close personal friend. Right. Sixteen. No. We skipped over the 15.
0: Okay. Let's try the next
1: one. Next one is
0: 18. Yeah. I'm keeping a little of the 16. And this is again, to...
1: and you're welcome to have more,
0: by the way. Yeah, yeah. No
1: it's not like perfect. these wines have to be saved for this or that, you know. And now and here, you'll see a different blend.
0: Yeah, this is definitely different.
1: There's, besides the Cabernet, the 50%, instead of, it's just over 50%, it was 55, 56 previous labels. This is 51% Cabernet, Moreau 34%. And then there's Cab Franc, Petit Verdot, and Petit Sirah. Okay. Six, five, four, but each one around five percent of those. So it's it's it's. Should It's still a Bordeaux
0: blend. It's oh, it's really, still a Bordeaux
1: blend. Yeah, the only definitely. thing that's not Bordeaux in it is the Petit Sirah. Yeah, but the other four are all Bordeaux varieties.
0: This is still a sibling. Yeah. It's still a, it's definitely a sibling. It's changed
1: maybe a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. But it's it's. Yes. There, there is a common theme to the wines. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say this, looking at them with an unjaundiced eye. And I know that my, my goal is Bordeaux. But these are, they're not like Spanish or Italians. Mm. But they're, they're, there's something a little more Mediterranean About than a them. Bordeaux. And I guess, you know, you, you, it's like me, you can, you can take the kid out of the Bronx, but you can't take the Bronx out of the kid. <laughs> right. You know, you can take the your style family. of winemaking and the barrels and everything can be things that are brought from somewhere else. Yep. But the grapes are grown in Israel.
0: Your family was from where originally? What's uh, your background? Russia, Poland. Russia, Poland? Yeah. So how do you get Pasco?
1: Pascovich. Uh, oh, Pascovitz. Okay. Uh, Ellis Island, you know, they, okay. they, yeah. they, they, they did a chop. Okay. <laughs> wow! Somebody, somebody, put down the hammer there on the on the, on right. the Vitz, uh, Okay, and just called the called the family Pasco.
0: It was, was easier. It was easier to write.
1: <laughs> I suppose that is the question of whether it's Vitch or Witz or right. uh, you know, which is probably all the same spelling in the Cyrillic alphabet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you know where your family came from? In, in where? My
1: brother keeps track of this stuff. I'm terrible with family okay. history, but I'm pretty sure it's. I believe at least a good part of the family is when you say Russia or Poland. Right. It could be depending on the year. Okay. Right. The yes. Border. Yeah. Border. Border. Border towns. Uh, my My brother used to mention Minsk, and maybe maybe even uh, Belarus. Maybe even white, whatever. White Russia. White, white Russia. Maybe. That, that, that. I, I, I remember vaguely from stories of one of my great-grandparents that one of my ancestors was a sailmaker for the Tsar. Wow. So there's skills in sewing. Wow. <laughs> That's about the only really ancient thing I know about my family, is, uh, is that... That, that and, I think my grandparents were three out of the four born in Europe, but came very young. Very, very young.
0: To, to the U.S.? To the
1: U.S., yeah. So, they, and they were born plus minus 1900, all of them. Right. Uh, and, and they were like here in 1904, you know, whatever... Uh, Pre, well, pre communist, uh, uh, they weren't leaving because of communism. Yeah. They were leaving because of pogroms yeah. from, from the Tsar.
0: Here, meaning, and, and, and
1: hatred in Poland, yeah. just, you know, anti Jewish uh, sentiment in Poland. Right. This has been ravaged for a thousand years, uh, whatever, for a long time. Somebody dropped something.
0: Yep. Yeah. I've been hearing booms like that. Even in Jerusalem, but not for the last two days, thank God.
1: Yeah, it's it's eased up a little bit, huh, Jerusalem? Yeah, Yeah, in Jerusalem it's it's become a good friend from the States, who's been in Jerusalem, staying there. He comes regularly, and he's going to move here, he's going to emigrate here eventually. David. uh, Yeah, I thought you know.
0: him. I knew you were going to say, David, (laughs) David. Yeah, yeah. He was in my sukkah. He's...
1: uh, I, I knew you were connected somehow. You know, whatever through through, know from through New York. internet know conversations the, or something. I know from New York. I know he's, from New York. He's the, a great wine lover, mm-hmm. and he's an investor here in a small vineyard. Yeah, he's, he's,
0: he's yeah, he's making. You're helping him make some wine, so please God.
1: Anyway, pretty nice family resemblance. Yes, I don't think the eighteen has the finish yet that the other two no, have. No. It hasn't it evolved to that. St- it but, doesn't, but, but I'm it's wondering. Similar enough, it's gonna, when it ages a little bit more. It's
0: gonna get there. I yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't it doesn't have the finish. It doesn't have the uh, the longer finish to it, but it's actually um yeah. Let's see a, what it's happens. it's a
1: little less oaky. Yeah. There's less new oak okay. in this. I held my prices for a long time and The dollar, by the time this was on the market, the dollar had devaluated against a shekel, and, and, you know, we were not making much money with overseas sales. So one of the answers to dealing with that was to just use older barrels, not to incorporate as many new barrels into the wine. So there's a little bit less oak. Although I don't, you know, it's not such a huge difference. You know,
0: the... The 16 compared to this 18 is a little bit more saline, has a little touch of more salt to it. taste.
1: Saline is an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. It could
0: be that I was drinking it from the same glass as the others, but...
1: You know, it's funny, I've had this comment before from educated palate people that say, your wines have a hair of saltiness to this and I'm like, hmm. I do... But I haven't done it in a long time. I used to use egg whites pretty regularly to soften mm-hmm. up some of the tannins. And when you, I use fresh egg whites instead of commercially prepared mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, when you prepare the egg white solution for softening and clarifying, yep. it's two functions, right? It's, yep. It can remove tannins and bitterness, some other polyphenols, and it clarifies. It helps to you can, you do less stages of filtration when you do fining. Uh, now, eventually, I pretty much dropped it out of my winemaking because I discovered in the end I'd rather do more filtration <laughs> and not, not and then, do the, the, the filtration done properly doesn't affect the wine as much as the fining does. So, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I used to use it. Then you mix salt into the water mm-hmm. when you do that. But the relative amount is so...
0: Peanuts.
1: Yeah, it's no. so small. I don't think that's it. Okay. I think... i uh, not sure. Anyway, I, I do think, again, there's, there's always the... Now, we're jumping two years. We're not doing year to year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit bigger jumps in the maturity. But, but I, I, I do think the, it's just a little more in the Mediterranean vein and yeah. a little less in the, in the, in the, Bordeaux, in the Bordeaux. Bordeaux style, this particular, the 18. It's, it's actually one of the nicest compliments I ever got from a professional critic when I was with Ray and I think it was, it was, uh, what's the festival that Haim Gan runs called? Terevino. Boom. Okay. Okay. Terevino. Anyway, at Terevino, one year, while I was still with Reconati, I don't remember which year, which year of Terevino it was, but I met a lady from America who went around tasting everywhere. And she's a wine writer and has a book. Uh, I think she, I think her book's called like The Idiot's Guide to Wine or something, or The Idiot's Guide to Wine Tasting. And I, she was really kind of neat. And she says to me, you know, you know you're Louis Pascal. You're the maker of these wines. She says, I have to tell you something about Reconati as a, as a whole here. There's a lot of good wines in this festival from Israel. I wasn't familiar with it. It's like her first visit to Israel. Mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar. There's a lot of good wines. But one of your wines, to me, taste Mediterranean. I, I understand it as a, a comment Com- about Golan, yeah. Because their wines are so Californian. You 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 really every single wine of Romanee Golan is like something made in California, uh, from what I know. Okay, yep. I, it's, I, it's, it's your, you it's know, your
0: taste. Yes, and, I get it. Uh,
1: you know, from and and from my experience that that's California wines. They're, and 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 the people who have advised them over the years, the people who's you know still the head winemaker, Victor is a California yeah. trained. He's yeah. Davis, 100%. just a little bit before me. I think yeah. we just missed each other, uh, even though he's a lot younger than me. That he went to school before me. I didn't know
0: that. I didn't know he was younger.
1: Well, Victor's definitely younger than me. Okay, okay. Yeah. I came here when I was 40 years old. Okay. <laughs> I didn't come here that much after Victor. Right. Was 97, I don't... Victor came a little bit before me. Yeah. The, the, their American advisor said, how did you come to Israel and I miss you? You know? Because I, I had actually two friends as Victor's assistant winemakers. When I, when I came to America he had two assistant winemakers who were people I knew from the States. Wow. You know, one of them wasn't even Jewish. Right. But, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, last one.
0: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this. You, t- you drink it. Go ahead, you use that one.
1: Well, I've got other glasses. Well, don't worry about that. I gave myself another glass. I just, you can have a new glass I'm so you can keep, to... keep a few of them together.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to... This is the 2020.
1: And now we come to the current release. This is what's on the market right now. Okay, That's a 19.
0: That's a 19.
1: Okay. It's un- but the 19 is unopened. I did this partly because we're doing through the series of every two years. So it's nice All to right. keep that consistent.
0: Right. You have family here and
1: kids yeah. here? My okay. wife, my, my one daughter is here. A stepdaughter is here. I have another daughter now that's in New York. She just left a couple months ago, and she's not there permanently. She's coming back. At least I hope she's not there permanently. Still in the in the in the line in the same the same style of wine, continuing. Speak highly about. I mean, Ellie Benzer, Ken and I are friends for a thousand years. Yeah, I, You know, he, he. I wasn't here. I don't know how long. A few years that we first personally met at a, yeah. at a tasting. And Ellie right away. Commented me about a technical issue that he was having difficulties with. Yeah. I mean, I had that kind of respect, and people never even met me. Right? You know, they knew I was from yeah. Davis, whatever. He was making uh, a mistake in in his processing. You know, he, oh, wow. it's just something that he didn't understand. He didn't understand. His cellar master didn't understand. Whoever was actually hands on doing some of the work involving wine chemistry didn't understand something. And I corrected him. I said, "Oh, you can't do that." You know, you said, "I understand why you're doing it because you." It's a, it's a matter of how you add bisulfite, okay. And I corrected him. I said, "No, okay. oh, that's you're not getting the results that you think because you're doing something wrong, and this is what you should do." Da He said, like, you know, oh, no, oh, really? <laughs> oh, it's like, okay, these little things. Again, you come out of Davis, you're very technically prepared, you know. Where you, where you need to grow is." actually what you do and your vision right. and your artisticness, you know, because yeah. you're, what you're trained to do is to make clean, correct wines.
0: Right.
1: But that's not winemaking. And they to tell you, we're not telling you how to make wine. You're telling, you're telling you how, you how to... to functionally process the materials <laughs> yes. to have a commercial product. Right. But and making then... wine is something you learn in the field. Yes. And they'll tell you that right off the bat, which is... Back in the day, we heard stories about how Davis has a style of this and that and the other thing. I, myself, now, he loved food. So I came in from the food angle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, we started to talk about this a little bit earlier, but I'll go back to it now. Please. When I was at 464 Magnolia, the owner recognized my palate very quickly, that I had an exceptional palate. So on my days off, which was Sunday, Monday he would like to himself take me to the wineries. So we, and we had a wonderful wine list. You, know, you get introduced to wines in a restaurant, especially in Northern California, it's, it's just, there are very few places where you get introduced to wines like that. New York is similar because there's everything from everywhere comes to New York City, but it's not next, uh, it's next to Long Island. You know, which to me the wines of Long Island—they could—they're could, coming.
0: You know, they're whatever. Coming. They're coming. Maybe
1: they're better now. Look, I was friends with the uh, who's like the first people to make a notable winery in the, on Long Island. Right
0: up in you know? um, what's it called? Not Orchard Beach. What? Uh,
1: it's a very yeah. famous couple. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they got written up a lot. Yes. Uh, they had a very interesting label. They had a laser cut label with a with a wine trellis and a lattice on it. I can't remember who 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 that, I think they're out of the business now. I don't know. Maybe somebody still runs the winery. But uh, I've been through Long Island and tasted the wines. uh, There's some nice stuff there, but it's it's like nothing compared to California in terms of quality, in terms of range and diversity. Uh, Upstate New York is different because you have different kinds of varieties. They could do the, you know, the recent is at a very high level. They
0: are, but California had incredible creativity among its winemakers. They were just crazy.
1: Anyway, with this guy, 464 yes. Magnolia, he would take me on my days off. We would go together and visit the wine country. And we'd mm. go into wineries and taste from guys that you just don't see. You know, you their wines don't make it to New York. They're not big enough. Yep. They're too small, and they can sell everything. Basically, it doesn't get outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. There's enough market in the San Francisco Bay. I'm talking about Americo Raffanelli. Okay. He's one of my first teachers of making wine, even though at that point I had no idea I was going to be a winemaker. We'd sit and, you know, we'd talk about, you know, how do you decide when to pick your grapes? He says, chemistry is chemistry. I taste the grapes. I taste
0: the grapes and look I, at the I, seeds.
1: I, look, at the,
0: look, at look at the coating how, around how the seeds. How easy does the
1: berry come off? Come off, right. It's It's basically <laughs> like you went into a wild blackberry patch and you want to pick what you want to eat right now.
0: You know how I learned that? I learned that from a winemaker who who took me into the what you call it? Into the uh, into the field and he and he said, "Look, this is not ready yet. You can see everything is stuck together still."
1: Yeah. Okay. The, the grape the yeah, berry doesn't come off come from off. The, it doesn't dehis Yeah. is the correct word. It right. doesn't dehis from the from the peduncle. Uh the, the flesh around the berry is very, the, around the seed, seed is, very is very stuck tough, to it, yeah. very tough still. Yeah. The seed has not gotten completely brown yet. Yeah. These are all the things that you go out in the field and you learn from experience. When I first came here to teach me, yeah, and I started to pay attention to this. The people that, you know, the people in Israel, I've never seen a winemaker spend so much time in the field. You're like in the field all the time during harvest. How do you do your how do you do your work? And oh let's go. If I make the right decision here, if I pick the grape at the right time, the rest is pretty much easy. My reputation started to get around about the way I was spending time in the field. I, now, and now I have to go jump back to about going with uh, to, to wineries. So I was learning winemaking by tasting, and the range of tasting was was incredible. Uh even before that, one night I was in a place called the Big Four uh, uh, restaurant in the Huntington Hotel. And I wasn't a chef there. I became a chef later at 464 Magnolia Marin. In the Big Four in the Huntington Hotel, I was responsible for employee meals. And, you know, you, you make something different for employees from the regular meal. However, it got to be known that if you came back with something really interesting in in the bottom of a wine bottle that a table hadn't finished and hunting to a very exclusive hotel, these are very wealthy customers. So they're not like putting a cork and taking their last fourth of Lafitte Rothschild, 10 years old. They're not taking that home with them. So normally the waiters would drink it, but they learn, well, I could drink this or I could bring it to Lewis and maybe somehow an extra filet mignon comes out on a plate for my employee dinner. I'm exaggerating, I don't think I ever gave it away. to filet mignons, but but. I was the grill cook. So, I ended up in 1980 drinking a 1970 Lafitte Rothschild, 70s, a very good vintage. I don't know if it's a top 10 in the 1900s, but top 20 for sure, it might be even top 10, you know? wasn't
0: 85?
1: 85 was great. It
0: was also good, But I don't yeah. think
1: 85, I think actually 86 was better than 85. 86, I was going to say. 86, I think was yeah. a hair better. Right. Uh, 75 was very good. 70, 75. So uh, this was what year? 61. It was I, and crazy. I sat, it, I had, I sat crazy. with a, a, a range crazy. of 61s once. Okay. When I was in the wine business and I was just an apprentice in the wine business, uh, at, at uh, Hess Collection. They, they had a, they had a 61. Bordeaux tasting and they invited me to taste them. Uh, Getting back to this, I was in the restaurant business and a 10 year old bottle of Lafitte Rothschild came to me. And I was, at that time I was busy in the books. Always simple French food is my bible of cooking. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot about tasting in that book. If you've never read that book, I could recommend food books to you to read, even though of course it's not kosher. It just talks about principles and herbs, and there's a lot to learn that you can easily apply to kosher cooking, in simple French food. Uh, and I was well, at that time I was looking at the book called *The Saucier's Apprentice* by Raymond Sokolov, and I was figuring out creating sauces because that was my I was the grill cook and the saucier, and I uh, had this was Rothschild, ten years old, and I'm like. Oh, you get this into your mouth. You smell it. It's touching and hitting every part of your, your mouth, of your mouth and your nose. Mm-hmm. It's it's like there, there's no one. You talk about now. They just I just read just read an article about there's an eighth taste, a seventh taste, whatever that they, yeah. they, they there's something past umami, umami. umami. There's a new one now that they say really exists. Food scientists. Never mind. At that time. I had never tasted a wine, I I had never tasted a great wine. Not a good wine, a great wine. And I'm like, what is this? What's different about it, it it hits everything. There's no part of your palate which isn't touched somehow, (laughs) your palate and your sense of smell. It touches every single part, but in perfect harmony. There's no one thing that's out of whack. It's all so damn balanced. You know, when you break down what are those things, from a chef's point of view, there's sweet or fruit. There's acid balance. And acid balance is somewhere I'm very good in it compared to a lot of other winemakers. If you, if you put another vertical series of somebody else versus mine, Much more one of the acid. first things you'll find is mine are more acid, you know? And not overly acid, like underripe grapes, because there are 20 yeah. ripe grapes, you know. It's, uh, that's not the issue. Okay, this is, in every case, it's fixed acidity, okay? It's corrected. This is Davis winemaking and it's Israel. You, you, you very few, uh, some of the newer varieties people are working with might give you, like, Marcelin, might have enough acid that you don't need to play with it. But basically, all this blah, 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 natural, I don't, nonsense. You need to fix it. You're in there, you're, you're the chef. You're the chef of the winery. If you can improve the, what your nature gives you, you improve it. Right. You don't hold on your high horse of, I don't want to add tartaric acid or I can't, you know.
0: No, uh, well, there are people who like that. There okay. are people who like that. Who, there there who are people basically who like say, that, and
1: they're basically not making the best wine they can make. That's I, I'll, I'll tell you it. that point blank.
0: I get you. I get you uh, 100%. You know? They feel like the job is in the vineyard, and at the end, all they're well, trying to do is get to... They're,
1: they're right. 90% of the job yeah, is in the vineyard. But that other 10% matters.
0: You could leave it off, but yeah, it's not going to be... It's not gonna be
1: you, the point the is, you, you could do. make it better.
0: Yes, 100%.
1: Okay, the point I is guess. you can make it better, and, and probably you're leaving it off maybe because of some philosophical reason, no, <laughs> but more likely it's a marketing ploy. Right. And half the time, they're lying to you. They say they don't, and they do. That's the, that's the other point that what people say and what they do it's,
0: uh, it's two different things. Yeah,
1: it's been that way a hundred years in the wine industry. Okay, it, it's, it's nothing new. You know, when, when Bordeaux didn't get ripe grapes. They didn't bring Sarrab from the Rhone. You know, I mean, it's really uh, 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 Burgundy, which is more of a problem of getting ripe. Well, yes and no, more of a problem than Bordeaux. But again, if you didn't get ripe grapes, you didn't go to another part of France and ship up some grapes to get ripeness. They probably didn't add sugar, or the well, actually they did add sugar, right? They added beet sugar. They have yeah. their rules about sugar. Nowadays, it's different. Nowadays, you don't need to do that. Why? Because you have concentrators. All the best wineries in France have concentrators. They actually manipulate the grapes with concentrators, you know? There's all kinds of... Yeah, where did I go? I'm jumping around and I do that. No, it's okay. But Lafitte Rothschild?
0: Yes. It's just...
1: Such a perfect wine, it changed the way I cooked. Okay? How did it change the way I cooked? Now, when I made a sauce, whatever the recipe, I put a squeeze of lemon juice into fettuccine alfredo. Nobody does this yeah, except right. me. Okay?
0: I was going to say, this wow. Is, this is I can't because you have
1: that. to balance the acidity. All that fat, all that cream, all that cheese, and cheese has some acid. You know, don't, don't, let's not kid ourselves. Aged parmesan cheese has, has an acid kick. But for my taste, it needs a teeny bit of lemon juice. And I cooked Rieras with the bread. People went crazy for them. They went crazy for all my food. You know, we were a 50 seat restaurant that did at least 100 dinners every night and would do 150 on weekends, three full turns. And there's laws about how late you could be open in, in Berkeley. You know, it was very specifically. We we're not far from residential neighborhoods. We had to officially close at 10, which I, it made me could seat people until 10. So the restaurant would be open till 11.30, maybe. But I, I think wine has always been more than a lot of fields, a community, a community project. Now, I'll say this, in my experience, and it's partly limited by the fact that I've never mastered Hebrew. But in my experience, it was much more a community project in California than it is in Israel. Now, now I, I don't know, there, there have been some tasting groups and some winemakers get together and this and that but in California we took what we did at Davis as a class, you know, it was like two classes worth, but more or less it was one class, in my case it was master's students, and we continued the tastings we started it was once a week or once every two weeks in Davis as, as, a, as our own project, we continued them as we got out into the professional world and we would sit there and take, you know, it's also, it's California, there's a gazillion wines on the shelf. And a lot of us were making, all of us were making wines somewhere or another. So our tastings were very organized. It was one vintage, one variety, typically, or if it was a blend, it was, you know, Meritages, you know. Mm-hmm. We'd have eight wines Maybe ten, but we wouldn't try to do more than ten, which meant eight people showing up at the tasting. Yeah. We'd each, we'd each bring a bottle. We, we each one of us would have our own set of glasses. We'd have all eight glasses so we could taste all the wines simultaneously, Davis style. We'd do 20 point scorecard tastings and we'd rate the wines. And we continued this practice for years. And that was the most basic of the groups I was in. There was much more advanced groups that worked on, 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 uh, on, uh, experiments at wineries and did all kinds of things. But there was this cooperation among winemakers to learn together that we're all going to teach each other together what's good, what's bad, what's out? I was, again, sounds like bragging a little bit, but I was a little bit ahead of the curve because of my restaurant background. I was older. I had a restaurant background. I knew Mm -hmm. some things. So when a wine might come in a tasting of Zinfandel's, and it was, I'm not going to mention names, it was wines by some very famous, highly celebrated winemakers. And what's interesting about it is it's a little bit mirrored in, in Israel today. Anyway, and they would make these Zinfandels up at fifteen and a half percent alcohol, sixteen percent alcohol. Yeah. And they'd win the point score tasting. And I would be the only voice in the room that said, That's not gonna age well. That that alcohol is gonna overwhelm the fruit at some point, and it's not gonna be a good wine. And no get into discussion. will
0: sell well right now. Yes. But this isn't something you want to put in your cellar. Anyway, Robert Parker, who
1: was the, one of the people who made this particular winemaker very famous, right. about five, ten years later, he did a review of how the wines aged. His opinion was the same as mine. They didn't hold up. They weren't mm. wines that aged really well. That A little bit lower alcohol wines tended to age better. And there's a number of reasons. It's not only the alcohol being out of balance. It's other things. I've done things that I don't think anybody else in Israel has done because they haven't had my experience and been at the premium wineries in California and had this opportunity. I've done highly manipulated wines in California. An example would be a Sauvignon Blanc I made at a particular winery. Wow, I, I looked at ask the vineyards. Wait, here's, here's what I did. I looked at the vineyards. I tasted the wines that had been made previously from the vineyard and sat down and the, the, I was the assistant winemaker, but I was in charge of the winemaking. The winemaker was, overse- and he, he knew my palate, and he very much trusted me. I mean, my interview, and at one point he gave me back vintages of his, of his, of his wines that he had made. And I, I said to him, uh, I mean, these are nice wines, but they're not California Cabernet." And he said, Louis, you, you have a way of talking. You really hurt me. You know, and I said, I'm oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, Doug. Uh, you would have to dig very deep in my history to figure out who I'm talking about. I said, so, sorry, Doug, but this is the way <laughs> I feel. You're sitting here in, 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 you're sitting here in uh, uh, Stag's Leap District right. with the best Cabernet on every side of you. I mean, right. Stag's Leap's Cabernet's. I
0: used to have Stag's Leap.
1: Okay. I'm More not talking now about. about Stag's Leap winery. No, no, I know. But the area. No, no, I know exactly. The, the, A, the AOC or whatever yeah. it's called. In Cab- yeah, the Cap- whatever they call it. Cal- Appellation. Yeah. The Appalachian. They're remarkable. I've
0: smelled unbelievable wines. I just haven't drunk them. No, no,
1: no. no. Uh, The last time I had a Stag's Leap, well, maybe for my cellar, I have had one. I forget. But the last time I had one in Israel was Uri Sheket had imported the, uh... oh, how did the name just go in and out of my head? One of the best producers over there. Oh, I just had the name in my head and now it went out of my head. Anyway, the name doesn't say Stag's or anything like that in no. it. But they have a Stag's Cabernet. They make a kosher
0: cat and it's, from Stag's uh, Now,
1: Ernie from, makes one?
0: No, it, it's not Ernie. It's what you call it. It's from Herzog.
1: Oh, from Herzog. Oh! I never had their Stags Leap, but they're, they're Alexander Valley yeah. Chalk Hills. Yeah, the Chalk Hills. The Chalk Hills. Hill oh man, they do a wonderful job with those Chalk Hills. But those the, are superb.
0: But the Stags Leap that they came out with, I, I had to buy a bottle of it only because I'd stored so much of it for my father and never tasted it. I just, I just desperately, so I have, I have some. We and could it, share a bottle. Yeah.
1: Okay, but there were four restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area, which probably were, I, I don't know. In in newness of what they did and something a little bit different and unique, they were probably the four best restaurants in the entire United States. I mean, you had your classic New York French places that were, you know, but they were French. Yes. There was nothing American about them. But there was also... Michael's in L.A. at that time was...
0: You know, the, the difference is the creativity that yes. was coming out of that part of the world. And there's and a San reason. that was crazy.
1: There's a reason. You yeah. go to San Francisco, yeah. you, 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 you come into San Francisco and you look at the bay and it's a unique physical set of places. The fish, the seafood, okay, not for kosher, food, the seafood, fish, the, the mushrooms that are there. It's, it, it's, you know, because I was a chef, I was taught by one of the expert mushroom hunters. I've probably eaten 15 different types of wild mushrooms and I pick all of them myself, okay? That's, again, it's, it's rare knowledge. I was such a good chef that other people who had other expertises in the food industry we, used to bring me in. At 464 Magnolia, we worked with tomatoes out of somebody's garden. Blah, blah, blah. I, I had these experiences of being lucky. At 464 Magnolia, we got fish flown in from Hawaii. That was still in rigor mortis. <laughs> you know the window for rigor mortis? It doesn't happen. Fish doesn't enter rigor mortis until 12 hours. And it goes out of rigor mortis after 48. Yeah. You never see fish in rigor mortis commercially. So it's always older than 48 hours. Yep. Okay? You, you, you can fish. And you won't see rigor mortis then either. Because you cook it right away and it won't right. be in rigor mortis right. yet. We got fish in rigor mortis from, from Hawaii. Uh, pompano, I just I worked with ingredients that were as a chef that were so good it gave me an idea of what I should be looking for in grapes. In Israel, that's tough. Uh, you don't see that kind of growing too much yep. in Israel. Uh, you know,
0: I think that there are some winemakers who would sit with you and do do tastings the way you're talking about with Davis. There's some that are really capable, and that would love to share.
1: I, I think there's a group that does it now.
0: Yeah, but there I, are some. I,
1: I wasn't invited initially, and I don't, this is going back a few years. But I knew a group that started a long time ago, and it's in Hebrew also. Which yeah. so here I am going to talk in English. I'm not going to get what they're saying um, too, too much. The... I, I'm getting a little bit better finally with understanding. I mean, I finally, uh, when I am on ways, I, you know, leave it in Hebrew. Don't change it to English. Who, who would you think I would want to taste with?
0: There's a few. There's a few people. Well,
1: give me some names.
0: Yaakov Oria.
1: Yaakov and I are very good friends. I know. We, we've, we've, we've tasted no, but wines. He also... when, when, when a personal friend would come, and I'd give them a tour yep. of wineries, uh, this is back when Yaakov was, was down in the mid bar. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's back there he's now, Right now. He
0: is now, in Pinto. Okay. Right.
1: When Yaakov was there... That would be like one of the first, I, where would I take people? That, that, and, and A, I have access. Back then anyway, because I've lost some of my cachet over the years, I guess. Uh, but back then, I could go anywhere and get a tasting with a winemaker. Right. You know, it wasn't like, oh, Louis's Pasco coming and bringing a guest? I, I didn't get the hospitality staff. Right. I got the winemaker to sit right. with us for an hour or two. That's why a friend of mine said to me, after reckoning I said, "I'm not sure what I'm going to do." He says, "Become a tour guide, man. You'd be like the most upscale tour guide in the you in the know world." Blah blah blah. We'd go to Yaakov. We'd go to. Uh,
0: you know who else I would suggest? We'd go
1: to what's his name, Ettyatir. We'd go to him. And again,
0: i never actually. You went
1: to get No, you didn't get to sit with him. Yeah, I didn't sit with if him. If you came with I know, me, I would get to with s- him. you would have sat I with him. I sat
0: with Yaakov and Etty. Okay. And and that and they were wonderful, and they were really super, and I loved every minute of it. Um, I didn't get to sit with him, but one of the other people I would tell you to to actually sit with, who's a really interesting winemaker, who would be challenged by you as well, and also, is. Um, Asaf Paz, from...
1: Asaf and I know each other extremely well. He followed me at Tijbi. I don't know if you know. my It wasn't immediately with Tijbi. There was a French guy that came in for two years, Jérôme Sabatier.
0: Yeah,
1: And Asaf came to Tijbi for one year and left. Very few people could stay working with Tijbi. It, it, it was too yep. challenging an environment. I was there three years, and I'm, I turned the winery around. Now, they did nice white wines. Yeah, I mean... Nice, not great. They did nice white wines and bad red wines when I arrived. And when I left, they were making great red wines and white wines that were winning awards and white wines that were written up as, you know, the some or another critic's choice as the, the wine to drink for Yom Hatsma'ot, Okay. you know, and compared to the best wines in the world, actually. You know, that's uh, Avi Edgar, who recently passed.
0: Okay. Yeah. He wrote, right, a, he right, wrote
1: Sauvignon right. Blanc, I made a Tishby, the article right. called Blue, White, Blue, Yeah. and he, he said he drank a Cloudy Bay. He's not a kosher keeper, right, at all. Uh, drank a Cloudy Bay in an Israeli Tel Aviv restaurant. He said, wow, what great so didn't want to spend, they wanted another bottle. He didn't want to spend that much. He ordered a me The staff, I think, recommended to him. Tishbe saw and Yon Blanc. He's like, Where this tastes just from? like Cloudy Bay. I know. And I'm like, yeah, I had just come, that was my first year in Israel. I had just come from America. I learned under an Australian whose brother was a winemaker in New Zealand. Right? So, I mean, yeah. Naturally, I made New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I, I started to tell you a story. just things that I have in my experience. In, in a Napa Winery, I was given the reins to make the wines. After I got the job by somewhat insulting the winemaker on the quality of his previous stuff. And uh, he said, you know, look, I'm going to hand over basically the winemaking to you. So Sauvignon Blanc... I didn't like certain aspects about it. And the way the vineyard was, and this and that, and I'm like gonna go, do you mind if we do this? And it was, this was my program. We're gonna pick it overripe, because that's the only way it gets the flavor that I like, because it was a high yield vineyard for Napa. By Israeli standards, it wouldn't even have been that high yield, but we're gonna pick it overripe, we're gonna acidify it, we're gonna de-alcoholize it, and then we're gonna bottle it. So <laughs> You're talking about a highly manipulated product.
0: Yeah. Right? This is, it's 100% it, it, natural. I know.
1: It, it, no. it comes out, it gets the best score by far from Robert Parker that he's ever given to their particular white wine, Sauvignon Blanc. The best score he's ever gotten. And it's like his line is like, finally they do something right. Now, Robert Parker, if he knew it was manipulated, he would have <laughs> shot all over the wine. Okay. But... I knew from my Davis background that this is kind of what these grapes needed. It's not like I would do that if they had perfect Sauvignon Blanc grapes, but he didn't. It teach me there was, A, there's not the ability to overnipulate like that. If you tried to get grapes overripe in the first place, they'd be rotten before before you could get them to overripe. In Tisby, the Sauvignon Blanc was the Sauvignon Blanc. I did the most basic kind of New Zealand techniques to preserve the fruit, and we made a, a Sauvignon Blanc that, that smelled like guava. Wow. My last wine at Reconati that went to the bottle that was made by me was the first Reconati Reserve Sauvignon Blanc. You know, 25, 20, 25, 30 journalists, a party, you know, it's Reconati, right? There's, and uh, we poured a Sauvignon Blanc, and I, I think it was better than Cloudy Bay. I, I just, I remember making this wine, and I'm like, we're pouring it. And I'm talking to the journalist morning around the room. I can smell from the next table two, three meters away when somebody opens a bottle and pours it. I'm smelling what's going on in that glass. And I'm like, I, nobody made Sauvignon Blanc like that in Israel except for me. There's people who come close. But again, I, I have a very specific recipe, and I, have, I, I know where the grapes should be harvested to achieve that result. And, uh, you know, it to be the first time it came to me. It was really a lot of luck, you know. Was, oh, this is when the grapes had to be picked because they were starting to get rotten. And blah, 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 blah. But, but the, the technique of the winemaking was very beduke New Zealand. Anyway.
0: That's why so I would really like to, to taste more whites out of you.
1: I don't have the grapes right now. Okay. Thank you for letting me pour for you. I didn't even think about it. No, Lewis. Look, look, you're a lot of, you're a lot of, yeah, I first of all, yeah, 100%. Yes. So, you know what, little... The first time I said something about fakakta, he said, now <laughs> I believe you're Jewish. When, called, <laughs> when I muttered some curses in Yiddish, yes. not something, Jonathan's a great guy. I don't know if you ever met Jonathan. here. Yeah. Jonathan's a terrific guy, terrific cool. old man.
0: And he brought me here. Did you ever speak to, did you ever speak to Israel Flam? Of course. Yeah. Because he's also isn't he a UC Davis guy? Yeah, Flom is a Davis guy. He's a Davis guy. So,
1: so, did you say it? no? Somebody else would tell. Somebody recently told me something about one of the first wines that Flom made at Carmel, yes, a higher level. Oh, was it you? Yeah. It's okay. That it was just remarkable. You know, Flom's comment to me was: Every now and then, I get a chance to make wine at Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> Carmel, you know, two after my first contract with Reconati, yeah. it was a three-year contract. So it was 2000, 2001, 2002. So right at the time, you talk about a guy that getting lucky in the business, right at the time that contract was ending, you know, because that was a set salary adjusted for whatever inflation. Or that. But, anyway, you know, there wasn't, I don't think there was a raise built into it year to year. It was just inflation adjusted. Anyway, for three years, I had the same salary and that. Uh. As it ended the 2001, how it must have been, maybe it was a three, ah, somehow we're negotiating, and I, I won the, the, the Best of Bordeaux award with the 2001 Special Reserve. Now, it's a here, right? How did I end up? Because, and Reconati's really good vineyards that they planted at the time, they didn't come on till two, the even vineyards that had been planted that they just snagged the contract. I didn't start getting those grapes till 2003. Right. So what did I do in 2000, 2001, 2002? Well, the grapes were kind of dicey, a lot of them. But in 2001, being a Shemitah year, Alex, over at Dalton, says, you know what? How many grapes do you want? You know, And he said, oh, we're interested about that. I think we took, it was more than 50 tons, like 100 tons from Dalton. He cut his production way, way down. And he said, I'll give you, you know, and this is a common way, in my experience in California, it's a common way when you start to negotiate like this and somebody wants to move a lot of grapes to you. They give you a choice. They say, go look at 10 vineyard blocks. And pick five of them or pick, pick what you want from these groups of vineyards of what you want. So obviously they keep what they think is their very best stuff to themselves. But the next tier you get to, you get to look. And maybe I got a set of eyes that see something in this tier that they don't see. Okay, In particular with Dalton, it was uh, north-facing slopes. Because Israel, the sun is too strong on west and south-facing slopes. So the opposite of when you're on the Moselle and the Rhine, and you want only south-facing slopes, in Israel, you can get more character with north-facing slopes. Now here, I'm giving away information that really should be proprietary to me. And nobody else should know this. I mean, people might figure it out for themselves, but, but... and it's, and it's for the style of wine that I like, which is in a more complex style. I don't want only ripe flavors. I, w- I want other flavors. Anyway, yeah, north-facing north slopes. So yeah, a lot of Benzema, you know, 800-meter-high stuff on a north-facing slope, and the vines look good, and I'm like, yeah, I want this block. And this block, which we had a lot of this block, wasn't even all that, but part of this block was a pretty big block went and made the 2001 Rekhidati Special Reserve. Now, I don't know if you ever had that. It's a Shmikhal wine. Maybe you never would have tasted it. But it was a breakthrough wine for Israel, probably. It was good on the level of Ramatagolan wine and Eli Benzakim wine, but it was different. It just wasn't the same as anybody else's wine. And that's because, and actually, I've never made another wine like it. Cabernet can have a green character. It's part of the desirable character to some people in, in no Margoman they don't like the taste and they do everything they can to get rid of it. To get rid of it. Although they've maybe changed a little bit recently because they're, now they're going Cabernet Franc and actually bottling Cabernet Franc.
0: When Instead I first met Victor it. he's
1: like I hate Cabernet Franc and yeah. I'm like ah oh. but I but, said yeah you should think about it because it really works in the mountains. This is experience from California. The Cabernet Franc doesn't do well in the Napa Valley. You get up to the mountains, Amador County and this and that, where they, everybody thinks they're going to grow Zinfandel and Syrah and this and that. And Cabernet Franc suddenly is way better than Cabernet and yeah. I don't know why. It just is. It has certain growth characteristics. Anyway, I said, oh, I think you're wrong about Cabernet Franc. I think it really works. Blah, 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 blah. This was Cabernet Sauvignon. But had a little bit of Cabernet Franc character of green. And beyond that, green is the most classic green is a kind of bell pepper. In truth and really sensorially, it's very, very difficult to impossible to really differentiate different kinds of green. We all think we can, but when you study it in a group, it's what everybody can agree on. Mm -hmm. What's real Mm -hmm. is what a group of people who are trained can agree on. It's just green. It's just herbal. In this case, though, the herbal was mint. It was nana. And I was like, well, what wine smells like nana. And uh, it won the, you know, went to Vin Expo Bordeaux competition, Citadel, it's called. And it won the trophy as the best wine of Israel. Wow. So that comes out of 2001. And, and then it's, it's a very interesting. wine Because Spectator hated it. Wine Spectator gave it a terrible, like a, a flawed wine score. And all they said was thin and acidic. Now... For the life of me, I've tasted with people from the spectator. It's not like they're idiots and don't know what they're tasting. But I know enough about tasting. And again, my lab work at Davis, my my master's thesis, was partly viticultural and partly tasting. It's like split 50-50. And uh, I kind of understood immediately what happened. Because when you're really a winemaker, when you're really into the business, not just even the best of critics don't quite get this or they don't admit it to themselves or whatever. Your own palate changes time to time. The same wine won't taste the same to you on night. You drink it three nights in a row, and it's very rare that it'll taste the same to you those three nights in a row because of changes in you, not because of bottle variation. Because 100%. how our palates change anyway. It's very subjective. What happened? What happened in this tasting that this wine got such a panning from the spectator? It was probably grouped with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of Israeli reds, and it was less ripe. It yeah. came across yeah, as you, thin yeah. and acidic to them. Yeah. If you'd put it in a in Bordeaux tasting, right. like it was, it wasn't in a Bordeaux, it was still with Israeli wine, right. but it was tasted by people from Bordeaux, winemakers, right. professors, this and that. In Bordeaux, in, in Vin Expo, and they're like, oh, this is a terrific wine. These other wines are, are heavy it, and clumsy. And it's
0: different. It's, it's, different. it's different.
1: it's jumping out because it's different. So in Spectator, where it was with a bunch of, maybe Romano Goman who else, from Israel that they for sure had, and it was less alcoholic, less ripe, less dark in color, more acid, for them it was awful. But for the French, it was the best wine of Israel, that, that harvest. Mm-hmm. And to us all, it was like, in the winery, we all knew it was terrific, because it was A, it just smelled, and it was like, that. the mint smell was just, you know, like... <laughs> Again, okay. it was just, that's the grapes. I know. That was nothing, that's not a manipulation. That's just grapes and harvesting them at the right time. And like I said, north-facing north slope, not too much sun on them, but, but somewhat exposed. They weren't like, it wasn't a vigorous vineyard that was that was overly leafy. Uh, so good. Uh, that, that, that was, that? I, I, I just was a little bit upset with Rick and I that they didn't take the marketing opportunity. You know? Because Spectator is known to have a little bit of a preference for people who use their advertising space. Yeah. So I'm like, take a quarter page ad And, and put Wine Spectator 80 points. Terrible, you know, horrible rating and all that. Vin Expo Bordeaux, best wine of Israel. You know, you decide. Try a bottle and you decide. You know, we were... Very reasonably priced for a high-end wine, whatever we, were, we we were very conscious to be. We didn't try to price it at uh, El Rom or you know whatever the competition was right. at that at that level. El Rom and what's that, Cazerne? Yeah. We didn't price it at that level. We priced it a notch down. More it was more expensive than a Yarden regular Yarden, mm-hmm. but in between it, it didn't it didn't approach the the uh, the uh, upper level of, of their pricing, so. You want to taste anything else?
0: You know what? I just want to taste the 20 one more time. And okay. I want to go over with you. The, the
1: reason I brought the 19 was yeah. now, now you see a shift in the wineries. It's, it's a, a funky bottle from the 19. Yeah. But it's, it is a 19. It's just got two get back it. labels. Uh, that was made of Ben That's my last wine of Ben And this is my first wine working with Ellie. This so, is the
0: first one from Ellie.
1: This is the 20. Yeah, the 20. 20 BDX. There's a slight, I don't know if you notice it, there's a slight change in the label design.
0: Yep. See? It's a little short. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit bigger.
1: It's a different color foil. Yeah. Is that obvious? Yeah. We, 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 this is, not the foil obvious, I, but this is the I color I wanted from the beginning. Right. And they didn't have it, so I went with silver and then stayed with silver. But he finally got it in stock at the time that I needed my labels, and I'm like, that's the color I want. Right. It's It's pewter. You know, it's a darker gray. Yep. You know, and then the idea is to make Pasco project more of a label in itself, right. so I can do different Pasco projects. Here it was just one wine all the time, Pasco project. So the project. but here Pasco project. And there's BDX and, the and there's is, others yeah. as well. Like I have a Marselan based one that I call Winemakers Blend. I'm not crazy about the Winemakers Blend name, but that's what my importer wanted. Right. And the right. Marsimon is wonderful for Israel. It's a really it is. It's a great... It's a great, great for our climate. I mentioned that I have no hesitation about using acid to manipulate things. Marsimon right. doesn't need it, I don't think. It's, it's got naturally high acid for our climate. Anyway, I wanted to... At the same time, I'm em- em- emphasizing both the Pasco Project and the BDX, making that more clear. And it's still, obviously, the Louis Pasco logo is still huge and gigantic and all that. And it's okay. I no, it's great. downgraded that. Anyway, I, this one is interesting. If you want to taste of the 19, because it's my last wine with Ben and what, what, To me, what's interesting about it is I actually think it's less ready to drink than the 20 is. I think it's more hard. And I tell people that, I mean, people who buy from me privately, who, who know what they're drinking, right. will buy from me privately, which I have a few clients like that, uh, you know, one guy used to write for Gourmet, and he was head of the, head of the, uh, uh, what's it called? Anyway, some hoity-toity uh, European group of wine tasters okay. that, uh, that has an, uh, an organization that exists in Israel. and he, I became friends with him, and uh, he... Uh, he uh, he bought this and he's like, "Oh, well, this is really good, but it's not so ready to drink." And get anything else? And I go. Actually, I think the next vintage is more ready to drink. So I saw some of the, the next vintage, and he's like, "You're right."
0: <laughs> I really like this twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, I think it's really nice too, and it's 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 still it's going to get better in the in the uh, it's going to get better with just coming together a little bit. That that, but but it's not that tannic. It has
0: no it no. Has it's tannic. got some tannins.
1: Yeah no, it does. It does have some and it's, and it's it's a little lower alcohol than my previous wines. The other ones are all like 14.
0: And this one is at what?
1: Well, no. The 19 says 13.3. So I guess they're not that. Maybe I've got to go back to some of the older ones. It'll be a little bit more. 14.1, 14.5. Actually, you might see a trend. You might see a trend that the alcohols are dropping a little bit. Not because I can manipulate, which I would if I could, but the, but just because I, my taste—that's what you want—has gone. I, I'm getting older myself, and I don't yeah, want so much all, high alcohol wants. We all, we all. This has the, the 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 twenty has. There's a little funk right there, a little it's bit nice. again. It's it, it, my it, funk is I. I I've changed people's experimental results in Davis right. by my ability to smell. Seriously, I had a whole experiment laid out. He was going to prove this point, blah, blah, blah. He invited me to be one of his panelists. Right. I tasted, and I threw off his entire results. You know, he was trying to say that the level of SO2 added at the crusher doesn't influence the taste of the wine. And I was able to pick up the change from 30 parts per million of sulfur dioxide at the crusher to 50. I'm like, oh... This one's a little aldehydic. This one had more, uh, I didn't know what the cause was, but I picked up that it was a little aldehydic. And I did it time and time again. And he's like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm not the greatest palate You're in the world. As- and we, used to have a, we used to have a saying. Let me see if I remember. Oh, yeah. We called it the Italian tasting. The Davis tasting was your scorecard and how you rated the wines. The Italian tasting was new rating scale. Which bottle got empty first?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. And when I was at I Chimney totally Rock, that.
1: when I was at Chimney Rock and I went to some yeah. tastings and brought wines from Chimney Rock, they often were not the top-rated wine. They were middle of the pack, maybe two-thirds, three-quarters, never the top-rated wine. But but they, they almost got- always won the Italian tasting. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I used, a, I used to take a lot of pride in that when, when I went there, when I went to Torres. My Chardonnay it tied for the best wine of the tasting, but the Italian tasting it easily burned the, the top wine scoring wise of the t- they were they were opposite wines. So it was kind of funny that they ended up with the same score. But you know that can be it's scoring is scoring. What was that? Hmm? What was
0: that? It's like a firebox.
1: Ah, that's so Ellie's a- that's Ellie's homemade smoker. Okay. It's, oh, it's does, a smoker. He does remarkable. I was going to say
0: it makes, it's either does, it's either a he, smoker he, he or on, it's a what you call it, a mavusha a machine. He
1: keeps on telling me it's luck. Okay. Okay. It's not. Okay. He 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 makes wonderful stuff, and we what we use is we cut up old barrels. That are, that. And you throw in? So, yeah. It's you, there's 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 flavors in here that you won't see in everybody else's smoker. You know, wow. it's 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 uh, you know. He, he also uses the standard little chips. I think there's a there's a package of them over here. This is not this is not for flavoring wine. This is chips for the oh, smoker. Oh, for the
0: smoker, right? I got it.
1: Well, you know what? They may be originally for flavoring wine, but yeah. we we'll use them in the smoker. smoker. <laughs> there French That's oak is so cool. French oak is wonderful. I mean, American oak is good too. Right.
0: But, That's so cool.
1: Yeah. No. No. It's, and and you, obviously. He can do a lot of stuff. He's he's redesigning some of the place now to to, to create a visitor center. Okay. You know, which is one of the one of the things. Again, he's rebranding the whole winery from Haquamim, which was no. I mean, not that he's going to stop making all the stuff for Kiddush and this yeah, and that. He's yeah. going to continue with the conditon with the sweet wines and right. all that. But he's also doing a, a higher level now, with my help. You know, that's... A, He's already started. I didn't come here and change the What's the, the brand
0: going to be? Uh,
1: short sure. Estate.
0: Okay, short sure Estate. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's,
1: it's, was... it's, 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 it's time. He's, it's, he's a little bit behind the times and catching up with what people want. But never mind. Some people pick it up later. Some people pick it up earlier. Uh, I, I find myself now, when I go to festivals, a lot of people have never heard of me. Now, there are guys more my age, that, like, we wanted to meet you, you know. We know your wine's from Reconati. We, even occasionally there are people Tisbury. who know my wine's from Tisbury, who know, who knew, who know the change that Tisbury went through when I was there and the, and the stable care. I mean, I think we had a Merlot from stable care, which, you know, back in those days, how many Merlots went 10, 12 years? And, and I thought it would from the beginning. I thought it would. It, it, the, the, the berries were very special in stable care. It's very small, very thick skin, really different from berries from anywhere else. Ben- Benzimra, at its best, is like stag sleep. Elegant. You get elegance from up there. That's the, the 2001, the, uh, the Talton grapes that we turned into a special
0: reserve. You actually mentioned something really interesting um, when you were at Wellington Vineyards. I,
1: I worked with 100 year old vines. Yeah. Field blend of. The, the vineyard was a field blend. Boucher. The, the, vil, the vineyard was a field blend, mostly Zinfandel, but yep. also Carignan. Yeah. Uh, Which was amazing. Boucher, for, yeah. Petite Syrah. All of the Mediterranean
0: ones that, yeah, that, oh, that are here. Oh, oh, like, yeah. All yeah. 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 The, yeah, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. one that wasn't that was and it, and that's an incredible grape because that's so thick skinned. It like imparts incredible tannins. It
1: it it, it, it it's it's not. It's, it's just the thick skins, or only the. Th- it's actually the whole flesh is red. Yeah. You squeeze no, red juice out, out of it. It's unbelievable, Alicante Boucher. Yeah, really just We actually made, again, it was a very small part of the vineyard. Yeah. But we made it. We vinified it separately, you know. So we had, if I remember exactly, we had two barrels of Alicante Boucher, right? It never, ever made it to the open market. Why? Sonoma would have this once a year. Uh, we hated the wine. It was terrible wine. It was so, so tannic and it black. Yeah, it
0: was it like was ripping tannic. Awful,
1: awful wine. Just yes. awful. We didn't, like myself, wait, we didn't
0: like it. Peter Wellington, the owner and myself.
1: We didn't like it. Well, let me tell you a story yeah. about it. So we would have this, the Sonoma Valley had, I think, two weekends that they would be, you know, we were in the Sonoma Valley, right? in, in Off the main road, but just off the main road in Glen Ellen. We're on the way to Glen Ellen. I don't know if you know Sonoma Valley, but if you did know it, yeah. that would be... And, and Sonoma Valley is an amazing place. You know, uh, What's her name? MFK Fisher lived in Glen Ellen for... A, there's, there's food and wine stuff that's very, very deep at the roots of Sonoma Valley. But uh, we, we, we made these two barrels. And this weekend when people would come up, we'd offer them to taste out of the barrel. And the whole way we'd introduce it, we hated, we hated the wine. That's why we kept it out. We'd use it in the blend. We, a, if a guy came and his belt buckle was bigger than his shoes,
0: <laughs>
1: and he had a kind of a black beard and a, and, a, and a big handshake that like crushed your hand, we'd make sure to get him on the alabama, about Boucher. And we'd introduce it by saying, now, if you want a wine that'll take the enamel off your teeth after two glasses. <laughs> <laughs> we'd sell yes, We'd sell the it. whole thing as futures. Uh, and it, it. was paid for it. before we ever bottled it. Right. You know? It's, I, it's just... You, you... Does that ever calm down? Does it ever become a good wine? Yeah. I, I've had... Back in the day, I bought Petit Siraz. Uh, Talk about Stag's Leap. Stag's Leap Vineyards. Not Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, but the jumping stag of the two Napa Valley labels. I bought one of those and waited 20 years. I bought two bottles. I waited 10 or 12 years before I opened the first one. Tannic and terrible. I waited another 10 years or so. About 20 years old. I opened that one. Still not a good wine. Chances are, if it's not in some kind of balance to start out with, It never will be. (laughs) Now, I say that. There's limits to that, okay? I'm not a big fan of Romaregan Cabernet the day it's released. But, come on, you wait five years, and they're good wines. You wait ten years, they're terrific wines. They're
0: actually getting better that way. They're becoming much more approachable. than
1: They might have changed some equipment. I I don't like some of their equipment. They they had some very clever ideas to limit that. But look, they're on a big scale. When you're on a big scale, it, it can be an issue here. When you're on a big scale, it's difficult not to overextract tannins. And they, without getting into the technical reasons for that. Got it. It's, you're on a big, big scale, it's, it's difficult. And they had some tricks on the way there to, to prevent that. You know, they, they have the, the press that moved. The, they, they didn't have to move once the wine was done in the toses yeah. and Yeah. And they would
0: move the press to each one. They would one move the press. To each one. So There's the grapes that, came straight Yeah, down. Tier does that as well. Okay. Yatir has a small Iran
1: press. Goldwasser
0: okay Iran Goldwasser. that's who, he's that's one of the
1: guys team. I have the most respect for right, in all right. of Israel okay? so that, okay the, the, I, Iran if you went to Yatir with me yeah. instead of being with the marketing people yeah, I you, meet, with, you meet Iran yeah. Goldwasser yeah. and have you know because why because he wants to hear my opinion of what he's doing because I'll be honest and I'll say oh, this is good but I don't think it's got a little bit this and that character to it you know maybe maybe something he doesn't pick up that I'll pick up in the wine I mean the people yeah. that know me him, uh.
0: I was impressed with that. I'd never seen, I don't think I'd ever seen that before where they move the press to the fermenters to. to well,
1: the, well, the standard Napa Valley practice yeah. was you, you dump from the press into a dolev. Yeah. And then just move the delev to the press. It's slow and clunky. Yes. Compared to other things. But the point is, the better places don't mechanically move the stuff, right? They don't take they a pump use gravity. and suck it up gravity, or, or like I said, well, in the end if you, if you dump into a dolev, you dump with gravity, right. you lift it in a forklift and then you dump into the press with gravity.
0: Right.
1: You're still no, not this grinding. Is actually,
0: this is actually a small press that they move to no, the front right. of each one.
1: Yeah. That's cool.
0: I, that blew me away. The other thing
1: I... I'm, well, in am Golan's to go on case. It's a big press that okay, they, move, they move. Right? It's like on a railroad track. Okay. And same thing a Hare Galil. But okay, they, it's know. a little bit different. Hare Galil is almost the same... Isn't
0: it the same Isn't it the same practicing people as um, Ramada Golan?
1: Well, it was always a different winemaker. Okay. They're, I mean, they have their own staff. For, yeah. Know, what, what, what's yeah. their top wine? The, the, the blend? It's a, like a. a the salvation. Aron is the one.
0: The, that, Aron. That the Aron. It's not their top wine, but it's the oh. one that they're. It's the most popular it's, one. They make a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it, it, that's a very good wine for the money.
0: But one of the things I learned was don't talk about a wine unless you have enough of it. <laughs> because it just, I talked you about talked it. You talked about it and it's and gone. The there's nothing went, else. No, the, oh, price the price went, went up. up. The, the price went through the roof and everything. So there's a couple of us who now when we talk about wines, wine, it's a death. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's nothing special. <laughs> Whenever I say what that, it means it's I'm, great. What the hell am
1: I having a podcast with you for? <laughs> I want the guy that, that that raves about something and says it's no, too cheap. No, I rave about it. I rave about it.
0: But it's but it's it's way too it's they, yeah there's some wines that um in my life I've yeah I I missed out on because I raved about them and then all of a sudden they weren't available. So it's kind of crazy. See,
1: but it, it, like you could have done that for Reconati and the prices didn't go up. You know, yeah. when when we won those awards I guess we could have raised prices when, when we started to win those, some of those awards. Like yep. The RSR, in, 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 it won the Best Wine of Israel award in Vin Expo Bordeaux three times out of four years that I made it. Wow. Okay? So that's that's like an incredible record. And I, I'll tell you myself that that's, you know, you need to have some luck maybe to do it. Although the last one to win was the 2005 vintage. That wasn't luck at all. I mean, that that wine mid-fermentation, I said, going to win the award. This is just the best wine I've ever made. It still yeah. drinks well now. Wow. I had a bottle not so yeah. long ago. It's, it's still drinking well. I remember well. that wine. That was it. But but Rick and Adi, our economic model was such that, like, when we made Petit Syrah Zinfandel, okay, so we're the first person to make a high-quality Petit Surat. Nobody, I, us and maybe Asaf at the same time. But I think he was always, like, a year after me. <laughs> well, maybe it was at the same time. <laughs> Asaf and I have similar ideas, maybe, in, in winemaking. But uh, Cabernet Franc, for example. You know, the, the, no, nobody was making Cabernet Franc until Reconati started making really good Cabernet Franc. And then, and and I think Asaf, about the same time that we both started making really good, in 2004. And uh, I, to, I told you I wanted to tell you a story. He was a spectator writer, and I was hooked up with him by Reconati's uh, American... And I give him, like, the whole range of, of Reconati wines. And he's like, really likes the Chardonnay. And at the end, I opened up so many wines. I said, I'm going to maybe visit some other visits. But, you know, if any, two, any two bottles you want, you can have. And he had a special reserve there from, like, 2005. Excellent wine. And he had the option. Maybe I told him he couldn't take the special reserve. I don't know. The Cabernet... 2005 vintage for Reconati was the Merlot Reserve, the Cabernet Reserve, the Cabernet Franc Reserve. These were, every single one of them was like excellent, excellent wines. Uh, and and uh, he wouldn't taste the Cabernet Franc. He's like, I don't like Cabernet Franc. And I'm like, you really should try this. I, said, what are you want? I don't like Cabernet Franc. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, you, you're wasting it to open it on me. I mean, you're really going to like this if you try And uh, Finally, I twist his arm so much, he lets me open and pour it for him. He puts it down. A few minutes later, he comes back. puts it down again. A few minutes later, he comes back. I finish the tasting. It's the second wine that he wants after the Chardonnay. I don't know if this guy is ever going to Cabernet Franc if he doesn't first <laughs> push to taste Cabernet Franc that I made, which, I mean, I had been to France and done a trip through the Loire. Again, I'm not stuck on kosher, so I have whatever I want to drink in the Loire Valley. i make yeah, there's Cabernet Franc that's green and thin, and there's Cabernet Franc that's incredible. It, and, Loire Valley, I trip through the Loire Valley. I, I, I worked up in the Sierra foothills. Where Cab Franc outperforms Cap at at Chimney Rock, where I work. Yep. The Cab Franc was a really tough go in Napa Valley. That's Stags League ninety-five and
0: ninety-six.
1: Napa Valley Cab Franc was not very good. Just, yep. just it's whatever. It's not get up to the Sierra Foothills. Cabernet Franc is better than Cab Sauv Merlot. That fact made me think. Well, in Israel, our best grapes are in the mountains. Maybe Cap Franc is going to be really good in the mountains. <laughs> Nobody else is into it here. Let's, you know, let's see what it can do. And there, there's so many crazy things about Israel. So the grape growing is so behind. One of Tishmi's best vineyards was Kfar Yuval. Okay, it's not high, but it's really good soil. And, and it is north. Not that that really matters in Israel. We don't have enough Such north distance. to south distance. But anyway, it was a very good vineyard. You had Cabernet Merlot. I, I actually think Kvaryval was one of the ones I made as a, as, a, as a vineyard designated at Tijbi. If I remember correctly, it was Kvaryval. But the Cabernet and Merlot are you know, two blocks, and it's, it's really one vineyard. What does he do? He's got the Cabernet on the flats where the soil is heavy and the Merlot on the slope where the drainage is really good. All you don't have to do is in your life read a little bit about Bordeaux. And why Merlot gets planted in heavy soils and Cabernet gets planted in light soils. And you'll know that you shouldn't plant the Merlot in the weak soil and the Cabernet in the strong soil. You're going to be struggling viticulturally from day one. But people in Israel don't, Israelis don't like to read. They like to just do stuff. They, they, they,
0: they like, like to experiment for themselves. Whatever. Yes, I, I know, but that. I it agree would still
1: be you. an experiment if you had two blocks and you put them in each each grape type was in the right place for itself right right and the whole vineyard would be easier to manage because like one watering regime might work for both of them if the cabernet if the merlot was in the heavier soil all right you probably have to go no if, yeah. if you want to taste this i'll open this No, no I don't or if you want I'll to taste it. or if you want to taste the liquidity i'll open a liquidity for you there's very few of those left
0: what year was that from
1: what well, year is what? The liquidity? Liquidity. I have a 14 liquidity. That's a 14. Which is a very good finish. And it's, I wrote it up recently. I don't know if you follow my Facebook page at all, but I talked about it recently. And it's like perfect now. It's absolutely you no know drinking time.
0: I would love to taste it, but I, I would love you to come over to my house and have something to eat and taste it.
1: All right. And let's do we'll that. We'll do that. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to, to take it. up a, an invitation to. Uh, are you kidding? You know, I, I, it's my pleasure. Some no, pleasure. I say yeah, again. A crazy place. Again, I hope I don't have too many expectations. But the whole Indian background and you know my knowledge of—I'm I, I, very snobby about food. Right. I made French and Northern Italian, right? Yep. This was my folk, and with Asian influences and fusion, and I, wow. and it's not now. We're yeah. talking about no. 1980, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so it really was like the invention of fusion. Right. It did grow out of California, right? Uh, blah blah blah. I really never liked Indian food because even the best places in San Francisco, the best place that I went to, the food was at. And I, I started writing a little bit while I was in Davis. And uh, I went to a local co-op supermarket and said, you know, I'm interested in writing stuff. stuff. You, you, you want somebody to write some stuff for you? And says, oh, we need cookbook reviews. I said, oh, it's right up my alley. I used to be a chef. I, mean, I was an English literature major once upon a time, actually uh, comparative literature comparative at literature, Columbia. Yeah. So they hand me a couple of Indian cookbooks and say, see what you think. I think three. So I'm like, Indian. You know, I never liked Indian food. So I go into these cookbooks and they were clearly not from professional chefs. They were from home cooks. Right. And I'm like, I almost dropped dead at how good the food was. This home food, this lady named Babka Chakcha yeah. is, 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 has these recipes which you follow them to the letter. You didn't make a, and I'm all the time adjusting French and Italian recipes to my taste. Squeeze a lemon juice in, in Alfredo, and right. nobody does that. Uh, lemon juice in pesto. This food is unbelievable. Just, I was like blown away by it. And then as I'm here, and I learned more and more about the kosher rules, which I never yep. paid attention to before I was here, and I got married to a woman that keeps kosher, you know, it's an Israeli lady, not religious, right. but... No, you know you're keeping kosher yeah. in the house. You know that's that's just you know you don't have to be religious to keep kosher, right? You're, right. No, 100%. You're traditional, traditional. Hundred percent. Right. And I'm like, no, oh, Indian food really works with kosher. There's like so much it's vegetables. You know, you know. Okay, most of it is so vegetarian oriented. Yeah. I, I. By the way, one of the things as a chef, I never went to cooking school. I right. taught myself, I, right. uh, but. Again, I'm a Columbia guy, right? Not a lot of people that go into the food chef business. I'm have... out of
0: Columbia. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I
1: actually worked in a kitchen. This is—I'm sure you didn't read this about me—that 464 Magnolia Kitchen. Yep. We had two dropouts from Columbia and one from Brown. We had a four-man <laughs> kitchen, and three of them were Ivy Leaguers. Ivy Leaguers, right? And oh, the fourth guy—I don't know—he's from the South somewhere, but he could easily have been. Uh, you know, whatever. He could have been in Vanderbilt or one of the best yes. schools in the South. Tulane, right. Vanderbilt, whatever. He, he had,
0: the, did the. one he who was dropped, as
1: intelligent as we were. Did the and, one who
0: g- dropped out of Brown go to the culinary school? In,
1: uh, no, the one that no. dropped out of Columbia went to the culinary Hyde Park.
0: Yeah, okay. Two,
1: and, the other, and the Southern guy. Right. Two of them were Hyde Park graduates. Okay. So they were Hyde Park. Me and, the, me and the brown guy were just, I taught the brown guy. I, I brought him into the restaurant when I, I didn't like some of the workers. I brought him in, and he started as a dishwasher. He probably washed dishes for two weeks. And the manager came in and watched him and said, what the, the bottom of stockpots, which had been black forever, were okay. shiny silver. But this this kid was a crazy athlete. He was a, a, like a championship, not championship, but... He was an off-road skier, yeah.
0: cross-country yeah, yeah, yeah. skier.
1: You know, like he'd go and do flips off the places where he didn't know if he was going to land or go fall 1,500 feet and stuff. So he's a little crazy, but he was also a very, very good athlete. And he introduced me to martial arts, which is also part of my life. That I mentioned it, I guess. Yeah, It's still? I wish. I wouldn't have diabetes. I mean, if I'd kept the martial arts up, there's no way I would have ever gotten diabetes. I never would have eaten so badly and, 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 and treated myself. I, during martial arts, I would practice three hours a day. Real martial arts teaches you two things. And, and for me, they're things that I have a problem with. One is to s- stop having your brain work or, or think or talk. To, you know, not hearing too much in your head. I, I, I don't know how to explain that, but it's I know, quieting, I quieting your mind. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's a state... Orthodox people reach doing prayer. I I think in meditation and martial arts and deep prayer bring you the same things. You know? There's there's something about the way you breathe that changes and something about your head. The focus of your head becomes, you know? It's not that you, at least in meditation specifically, it's not that you stop paying attention to it. It's the opposite. you just quiet. The noise inside your head. So you can't so pay pure. attention. So you pay attention to everything more. You're more in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's... Look, I'm. it's funny. I'm not Jewish religious, but I'm very religious in a way. I think Hashem... Or I wouldn't call it Hashem, but I think there's a way for us to be in this world, in contact with it. I
0: think you're right to call it Hashem. Yeah. One of the hardest things in life is to build a Kesher, a connection to God. Okay? It's just an incredibly difficult thing. The people who have stuff going on in their heads with regard to God that feel that they can feel God's there. They can feel his influence in what they do. They can feel his influence in in how it comes out. It's the
1: feeling. Yes. It's the feeling. Yes. And to reach that feeling,
0: you have
1: to do things. You have to change it's 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 not easy. I'm just easy. telling you, it's, it's not so easy, But it's, it's not,
0: not it's not something that comes just because you follow a certain set of rules.
1: No, but I, I do think prayer, the very act of prayer, yeah. helps. Helps, yeah. I think it, it I think it helps you reach that prayer, that thing. And for, for me, we call it Hashem. I don't I don't know what they call it, but it's the spirit. It's so, it's, it's the spirit that that's everywhere. Well,
0: thank you. You're
1: thank you welcome. So
0: much for the tasting but also the time, and the, the time to interact a little bit. But I would love you to come over and, uh, and sit, sit with me in, in, in the house and uh, taste some wines. There's some interesting wines I would love to bounce off of you from other winemakers. Sure. Just, just, just
1: be careful about using my words if i because i'll be brutally honest i mean i have no i don't have a problem i have that. no problem with that like I said.
0: this is your host simon jacob of the kosher terroir i have a personal request no matter where you are or where you live please take a moment to pray for our soldiers safety and the safe and rapid return of our hostages. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Kosher Terroir. It was exciting and informational to me as well. Louis Pasco is a, an incredible, incredible guest. Please subscribe via your podcast provider to be informed of our new episodes as they are released. If you're new to the Kosher Terroir, Please check out our many past episodes. Again, thank you for listening to The Kosher Terroir.